Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you'll find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to the State of Economy podcast. I'm your host Jyoti Bhantia, and today we'll talk about the upcoming trends in the fintech industry. The fintech sector in India recorded a 68% surge in funding in the July to September quarter of calendar year 2023, compared to last year, according to market intelligence platform Traxin. Overall, India is the third largest startup ecosystem globally, with nearly one lakh startups right behind US and China. We have Shilpa Aluwalia, partner at Shardul Amarchand Mangaldas, and Sanjay Jain, partner at Bharat Innovation Fund, to talk more about the sector. My first question goes to both of them. What are the trends that you have observed in the fintech sector in the last one or two years? Thanks, Jyoti. And I think that was that was a great introduction. India is really a leader. a global innovator uh, in the in the fintech space so everyone's watching what's happening here let me talk about four or five things that we've seen you know in the last 18 to 24 months i think one one trend that has cut across all fintech products is really very sophisticated uh, tools linked to data analytics and ai we're seeing more and more firms using um, using tools to understand customer behavior understand their digital footprints analyze data to be able to customize financial products and solutions and this is something we've seen across payments digital lending and this trend has also led to the real growth in digital lending or alternate credit um, as it's also known which is effectively the use of alternate data sets to understand and underwrite credit risk when giving and most of these are small value loans and what this has done it has really transformed i think the credit space in in india because credit access uh, has now opened up to sectors the sme the msme the smaller entrepreneurs you know retail consumer uh, small value loans all of these spaces um are are sectors that did not traditionally have access to bank finance the the new tools i think have really opened up credit access the other two i think is is one is of course the the central bank digital currency or the cbdc india is one of the first countries to announce that it's going to adopt not just a wholesale a wholesale digital currency is something that's used only between financial institutions but also a retail currency which means that you and i could could access and use the digital rupee uh, to make payments so that's i think a big trend we've seen and i think finally we've we're we're seeing the growth of regtech which is technology platforms helping fintech players understand and navigate the regulatory space as we're moving to a more and more licensed regime in fintech and we're also we've also seen um, you know the the growth and launch of, of a few id tech platforms helping uh, platforms and consumers in in um, identity management uh, so shilpa that is a great uh, way to describe it uh, so where we sit from at bharat innovation fund we have two pools of capital one of which focuses on inclusion and the other on innovation and we have seen both of these trends play out in this sector from a inclusion perspective we have seen the last uh, you know 5 6 years the growth of digitization has led to a lot of formalization and the creation of data about people who are new to the formal sectors of economy and this data has now started to help people get access to the right financial product as shilpa just described uh, which then you know actually all of this starts from the 
startups who are looking at this and saying, hey, here's a new market opening up. And how do we address this? Do we have enough data? Can we go find the right customers? Do we have the right products? And all of that innovation is now starting to grow and is really you know, finding its feet and some scale is starting to develop. Very early days yet, but still, you know, you're seeing these uh, green shoots happen. And on the other side is the innovation angle where, again, you're starting to look at all this data and saying, how do we make sense of it? How do we use it to drive growth? How do we get the right customers? And both of these are playing out together uh, very beautifully in the space in India. Absolutely. I think the growth in the fintech sector has been phenomenal, especially with new users coming in and fintech sectors, companies kind of trying to evolve into a more inclusive space. So here is my next question on the basis of that. Platforms nowadays are not just providing probably all service, but they're providing multiple services to its users. So is this the new trend that we'll notice in probably in most of the fintech companies where they will be starting probably with a product and then keep on adding more product because they want to be a one-stop solution for all things money for all its users. So this really comes down to the cost structure in this business, right? If you take a look at what these companies do, they spend a fair amount of capital to try and acquire a customer. And once you've found the customer, you want to get more and more products to them because that's the only way you can actually get a good uh, unit economics going. So this is really what happens is if you sort of say, I'm going to offer a product or service, once it catches on and you get a sizable number of users, you start to bring more products that those users need. And this allows you to leverage the customer acquisition cost. And then you start to uh, keep on growing it as per your customer's needs. And that really is one sort of trend you see. The other trend actually comes much more from the open banking perspective, where you sort of look at a customer and say, here's this customer that has traditionally not been served well, because you know the same products everywhere just doesn't make sense. So for example, MSMEs need different things from their banks. So do women businesses, so do children, so do senior citizens. And perhaps we can provide a complete suite of financial products for this user better than what the traditional institutions can. And these are really large segments in India, and it's really possible to build the right suite of products for them. This should give us better customer satisfaction, retention, and growth. All of this is happening with the neobanks that you're seeing, where they're sort of going out and saying, how do we get to this new type of customer and serve them better? Both of these trends are playing out. Uh, very early days, I would again uh, caution, but I think we are you know, going to see a much better world for our users because of both these trends playing out. I think Sanjay, absolutely. I fully agree with you. I, I think that's, uh, you know, that's something we've, we've seen as well. And I think, you know, going back to what you said, I think stepping back to how, you know, what, what triggered the fintech boom in India, it was effectively, I think, payments. Payments was, was the first, you know, was the first point of contact, digital payments for a, for a consumer. And I think what ended up happening was um, payment platforms found themselves uh, onboarding consumers for payment products. And I think payment platforms have the ability just in terms of numbers, because everyone makes multiple payment transactions a day, but not everyone, you know, needs a loan or an insurance product. So payment platforms found themselves with, I think, two key things. One is a, a wide customer base. And the second is a lot of data on these customers in terms of their digital behavior and, you know, online footprint. And those those are both very valuable things. And I think like Sanjay said, the, the cost structure because of regulations and, and various other 
uh, you know, caps, the, the margins on payment products is limited. And what platforms found themselves doing is using that data to understand consumers and layering on other financial products onto what was traditionally a payments platform. So whether it's lending, whether it's insurance or uh, investments, all of these can be layered onto the same distribution channel. And one interesting, um, I think, outcome from a regulatory perspective that has emerged is while the distribution channel may be the same, each of these products uh, very often come under different sectoral regulators. So you suddenly have a single distribution channel with payments uh, and insurance and investments. So you have SEBI and IRDA and you know RBI all all looking at at a same distribution channel. So I think there there is there is um, challenges that are associated with this, but the sector is there's a lot of innovation, and we're definitely seeing uh, more and more layering of customized solutions onto a single uh, you know a single um, distribution channel. Okay. Um... Given that the funding in the sector has really surged, especially when we look at this, the quarter three of this calendar year with a 68% surge, what would be the funding situations, especially for fintechs, looking like in the next 18 months? So Jyoti, I'm going to talk about you know the, the kinds of, of funding that we're seeing and maybe the, the lengths that... Uh, in, investors now now look at when when approaching the sector, and I'm sure Sanjay can layer onto that. So we're seeing investors now focus um, much more on corporate governance. That's become a key when taking funding decisions. That's that's definitely a, a focus area. The the second is when you're looking at uh, investors funding a fintech platform. There's also now um, talk of not just growth but also profitability and and the path to profitability and because the fintech space is evolving from a what i like to call a light touch regulatory environment to a much more regulated uh, licensing framework the costs of operation have also increased the regulatory costs the compliance costs a result of which we're seeing consolidation the, the larger players looking to you know acquire some of the smaller players so the kind of funding we're seeing is also to fund some of this MA activity in the fintech space as we're seeing more and more consolidation but but i think that the funding is is definitely going to continue to increase like i said the the investor lens may have changed a little bit but i don't see that being rolled back and i'm sure sanjay has has thoughts around that sure uh, thanks shilpa for that uh, shilpa that's a very good way to put it uh, but what are also points to is the fact that there is investors have some dry powder which they're looking to deploy. They are looking at companies that are likely to be profitable, that have good governance in place, uh, that have good unit economics. And also because there has been for some time a little drop in funding, there's probably very good acquisition opportunities out there as well. So all of this uh, you know, has led us to this uh, situation where we have seen this uh, recent jump in the uh, funding situ situation in one quarter. However, I do want to caution that a lot of this money that came in was actually much fewer deals. It was large uh, checks written for slightly later stage companies. And that, again, you know, illustrates the point that we are uh, looking at uh, players who have matured, who have uh, got the regulatory compliances in place, who have got the governance in place, and who are at this point going to use that capital to expand uh, in a profitable manner and find this path to profitability. 
profitability seems to be one of the key things that I think will drive the funding in the sector. However, the sector, like Ashilpa pointed out in the previous answer, that from being a light-touched regulatory, uh, regulatory sector, it has now been heavily being regulated, especially by the RPI, whether it's the FLTG norms or uh, trying to innovate into new products like UPI, credit lines and things like that. So, Shilpa, here's a question for you right now. The sector is now going to be very, very cautiously regulated because it is something that earlier the bigger players had had more vote into it. Now fintechs have come in and have changed the game of it. So do you think the regulators are also being very cautious in terms of how the space has to evolve because it is the money of the people that have to be protected in the larger sense of it. So do you think regulators are now going to be much more keenly observing as to what is happening in the space? Jyoti, you, you touched upon something really critical and that is, uh, you know, retail, retail money and and consumer protection. I think these definitely are both these are key focus areas of of the regulator because a lot of a lot of the the fintech uh, access point and consumer base is the retail consumer. So there there's definitely has been movement from uh, a broad supervisory framework to much more regulation and licensing. In fact, just two days ago, the RBI released a framework saying now all payment payment aggregators that do cross border uh, for payment facilitation now need a license. So yes, this is a trend we've been seeing for the last couple of years. And uh, you know, Jyoti, I'd like to say that to really understand regulation in the fintech space, you don't need to know what the law is today, but you really need to try and have a sense of what it's going to be tomorrow because it's so dynamic. And there is a lot of regulatory catch up because very often the product innovation comes first uh, and then the regulation so we're seeing a constant change of, of the regulatory framework. One area where is, is a real um, a focus area, and I think it's one of the toughest areas to regulate, particularly for this sector, is data. And we, we, we have a new data, freshly minted data legislation, which was much needed because what ended up happening is without the overall framework, the sectoral regulators had to step in and come up with you know, regulations for, for each product. Now we have a framework. I think the real challenge will be to find the right balance in data protection where we don't cut off data supply to fintech platforms because that really is the source of innovation. But equally, um, we protect consumers and we're aware of the risks around data privacy and, um, you know, data leakages. So that's going to be a fine balance to, to really achieve. The, the two other areas I think where we can look forward to some regulatory um, change or, or supervision is one is digital banking. Uh, there has been talk of the need to have a separate framework for neo banks or digital banks, which is effectively branchless banking. That's one. And the other is I know there's been a lot of conversation around a cryptocurrency and regulating the private crypto ecosystem. I think the Indian regulators have indicated they've now moved away from trying to enforce a complete ban to, to regulation. So that's another area where we can look forward to a framework. So Shilpa's got, I think, a lot of the things right. Uh, broadly, uh, regulators come in in a little reactionary manner, right? Because if you think about it, when things start out, they typically start out, you know, in an area where the regulator has not necessarily sort of defined the space. And regulators want to let that happen, right? Because uh, clearly you won't get new products, you won't get innovation if you don't let that happen. Yet the moment the size 
goes up either in terms of number of users or the total amount of uh, money flowing through there uh, or the potential for customers to lose money or investors uh, if it's retail investors to lose money becomes high that's when regulators the moment it starts to become slightly large is when the regulator starts to step in and they have done this very effectively through the various sandboxes that have been created so rbi has set up these regulatory sandboxes where they look at certain spaces and they invite companies to come in and do whatever they do under the observation of the rbi which then allows the regulator to understand the space better to start to define the rules around regulation for that space and then bring them out and we have seen this happen continuously over the last 2 to 3 years uh, rbi has a sandbox so does sebi uh, so that is one mechanism what we would have liked to see and i was on a rbi committee a few years ago uh, is something called proportional regulation where you say if you're a small company you know the total harm you can do to customers is much smaller and you should have lighter touch regulation but the moment you start to grow either in terms of users or the money you handle you should have more stringent regulation that's something we don't have yet as a framework in india but that's something which i think we will need to build if we want to have much more innovation in the space because finally you should be only as much controlled as the potential risk that you can cause to the systemic risk that you can cause to the ecosystem and so that's something we would like to see but that's uh, i think uh, something that the rbi and other regulators have not yet done and they've gone with the same regulation whether you're small or large and that then leads to licensing requirements for some of these new spaces to come up now on the other hand with the data protection bill coming up i think that's been a uh, interesting uh, journey so far on data protection and i think finally the bill is in place and what it looks like is that customer consent uh, for data is going to be key and over the next uh, few months we will expect to see uh, the rules being formed under that bill which will then help companies define how they do it but i think it's good for us to have those protections in place where customers data is protected and given under the control of the customer himself uh, and that really i think will help us get to a much safer path to where we can bring in people and they can use these systems and be safe about it uh, and uh, at the same time companies will be able to innovate because if a customer wants a certain service then they will have to share the data that is relevant to that service alone and not anything else and as a result of that we will have better uh, controls in place now one other factor which i don't think we have addressed is things that go across regulatory boundaries so for example if you are a providing a complete financial suite to users which includes say a savings account a investment account lending uh, and payments all of these have very different regulatory requirements and sometimes even different regulators and so being able to provide users with these services uh, that span regulatory boundaries is i think going to be an interesting space in the near future because people think about their money in one holistic way they don't think that this activity i'm doing Uh, looks at sebi and this looks at rbi and as a result you know i will have to go to different providers for it and that i think is something which uh, we still need some lot of work on on the regulatory space for that coordination to work much better so overall i think that our regulators are being agile they're 
following the market trends and stepping in where necessary. But I think there's still a lot more to go in terms of both either proportional regulation or cross-regulator uh, uh, coordination. Okay. Shilpa, if I could please have closing thoughts from you. I think just uh, one in terms of regulation, I think uh, taking off from what, what Sanjay said, I think more in the way we're moving, I mean, there's a lot of innovation and I think that the regulation is is keeping up with, with the innovation. And like I said, I think the key will be for, for regulators to find the balance between uh, creating a safe space for consumers to interact, but equally allowing innovation. And I think we're doing very well on that front. Uh, we're going to continue to see a lot of innovation in, in fintech. And I think a real focus area for fintech platforms has really been what the product looks like for the consumer. So what, you know, what the customer journey is like, the convenience of the consumer, that's really been a focus area. And I think that has really transformed the way consumers interact with, with money and, and financial services and products. And we're going to continue to see innovation. The central bank digital currency, the CBDC is really going to, I think, once that's you know, there have been several pilot projects, but once that's fully launched, I think we can see a lot of blockchain based innovation layered on to that. Um, and I think we can look forward to a very vibrant fintech ecosystem going ahead. Thank you. Sanjay? Sure. Uh, so, you know, I think I'm very excited. This whole space, we're seeing a lot of innovation, a lot of uh, customer centricity, both from the fintech side who are looking at users and finding the problems that need to be solved to fully bring them into society, to allow them the right products that they can use to make their lives better. And on the other hand, we see the regulators who are also looking to protect the customers to make sure that they're safe in this journey and hence, you know, bringing in the right uh, protection stages as they go by. And then finally, we have the investors who are saying that, hey, this is a growing space and where can we put in the fuel to make it grow and make life better for all of us. So overall, you know, I think we're in a very sweet spot right now and I'm very excited by what we see. Thank you so much for joining on to this podcast. I hope to see both of you in person sometime very soon. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks. 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 Bye.